Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am your host, Ben Popper, joined as I often am by my colleague and collaborator, Ryan Donovan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, good morning, Ben. So today we have a sponsored episode from the fine folks at Commerce Layer, and we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff that is interesting to developers, micro front ends, APIs, and how you can sort of inject commerce into whatever it is you're doing, whether you have an online shop or maybe you have a different kind of app or maybe you've, you know, you're just building a swag store like we do at Stack Overflow, which is just one little part of our business. So I would like to welcome our guest today, Filippo Conforti. Filippo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ryan. Uh, thank you for, for having me. So the first thing we always ask guests is just uh, let the audience know a little bit about who you are and how it is you got into the world of uh, software and technology. For sure. So I, I was born in Florence. I'm Italian and I studied. I graduated in Florence in computer science in uh, 2004, longer ago. And uh, I, I got passionate about e-commerce right after the graduation. I started building, the, I created a small studio, uh, you know, the typical designer and developer studio here in Italy. And we were building web applications in Ruby on Rails. Rails was just released you know and uh so hot back then yes yeah, yeah, yeah i really <laughs> and so we yeah we create we were we used to create web applications so with ruby on rates and uh, especially e-commerce websites so i started building e-commerce websites from scratch with ruby on rates and uh, understanding all the mechanics of building e-commerce like with payments uh, orders uh, things so yeah then in uh 2011, so yeah, more than 10 years ago, I was hired by Gucci, the Italian luxury brand. They had built an e-commerce website in the United States with Ruby on Rails, and they were looking for someone who could take charge of, uh, of that platform and uh, evolve that platform. And there was one of the few in Italy who had some experience with Ruby on Rails and with e-commerce. And, I, and so I was hired for... Uh, for that reason, essentially. So I have to stop you there. Was that a really fun job to have? I mean, like to work for this world-renowned luxury brand and to be headquartered, you know, in its hometown or in its home, you know, region. It definitely was because, especially in the early days of e-commerce in Gucci, it was still the early days. I was lucky enough to work in a startup-like environment within the big brand. So I had the best of both worlds, like having the possibility to travel and visit the world for a brand like that, and at the same time to work in a startup-like uh, environment with a very, very small team. I was the, the first hire in Italy. And so when I left, fast forward to 2016, when I left, 2000, end of 2015, when I left, the team right. was about, you know, 100 people. So uh, it was really a, a fast-growing team within the, the group. So it was very funny, uh, actually. And then I, I spent five years in Gucci. I also met my co-founder, Massimo Scardellato, in 2012 in Gucci, who were responsible of, of, of the IT part of building that and scaling that uh, platform. So yeah, then the, that Ruby on Rails homegrown solution was, so the company decided to replatform to a more standard solution for the time, which was uh, uh, Hybris. So we, we had the possibility to work for uh, this uh, big replatforming project, and we learned a lot you know, about 
how difficult it can be. And so we came with this idea of doing things in a different way. And that's you know how the idea of commerce layer was born, like to separate the, the business logic of, uh, of your e-commerce platform from the presentation of your, of your website. It's interesting. So let's, let's get into the e-commerce API world. I have a little bit of experience writing docs for some e-commerce companies, the uh, Dear Departed Molten and uh, back at, at Grubhub. I'm curious, what is the specific problem that you all are trying to, to solve and what does the sort of landscape of, of e-commerce technology look like right now for developers? So when Massimo and I decided to design this solution, also the, the, yeah, the model of, of Commerce Layer, we decided to focus uh, on the transactional engine of e-commerce. E-commerce can be very complex and there are many parts that can make you know, an e-commerce experience. So what we do is uh, one of those parts, arguably could be the most important part because uh, we, we manage the, the orders, we manage the sales. So it is something that it becomes the, the engine that allows you to, uh, to actually get uh, orders from your website or, or any experience. So Commerceleer is, um, is an API-first platform. It was actually born as an API-only platform. We built, we started building commerce APIs and webhooks. And today we, we count more than 400 APIs and more than 100 webhooks. So this is the core of what we do, which is decoupled not only from the presentation layer, but it's decoupled from all the other components of an e-commerce platform. For example, we by focusing only on the transactional engine, we decided to leave all content outside of commerce layer, including the catalog content. When you work with an e-commerce platform, you typically find the product catalog in the e-commerce platform, whether it is headless or monolithic. But we decided to focus on transactional engine. So this uh, um, allows you to really connect and to transform any experience uh, into a shoppable experience because you can really manage your content and your catalog uh, with uh, best-in-class tools like the CMS or a PIM if you need a PIM for your organization. We are the API that allows you to make that shoppable. So in the ecosystem, there are I mean, there are many e-commerce platforms. I was surprised one of our recent clients, Rafa, that we uh, that we signed recently, they told us that they evaluated 40 different platforms. So I was, wow. wasn't even aware of... <laughs> due diligence, of yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, again, I wasn't even aware that there, were, that there are 40 different solutions. So it's difficult to classify the different solutions, but I will, I will try to do that. I, uh, from my experience, there are... Those platforms like Shopify that are great to start are very simple. Uh, you know, you get the, the simplicity, but you need to adapt to what the platform gives you because you don't get all that flexibility. If you need an additional level of flexibility, so if you are a growing brand, if you are, if you have more uh, specific requirements that always arise when you when you start growing. So you you need to look into the those enterprise grade platforms that become much more complex and expensive, uh, like, you know, Hydris. I had a, a direct experience with Hydris, but also with Salesforce and like, Magento, mm-hmm. you know. So these two type of options have pros and cons. But again, you either have to, yeah, to settle for, a, you know, let's say for a simple solution, but unflexible, or on the other side, for a flexibility, but complex solution. So we try to stay 
in the middle. So to provide functionality that is enterprise that are enterprise ready, but without sacrificing the simplicity of uh, of our solution. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So like walk me through either a hypothetical example or one with a client. They started small, the brand started growing, they wanted to scale up, but they also either yeah didn't want to get entangled with the big enterprise thing. Uh, or they weren't ready for that, or they needed to make that transition. You know, what are the solutions and tools you provide, and how do they work with you know whatever technology stack that customer is coming to you with? There are different uh, examples. I can give you some of those. Some some clients come to us and they want to build a new stack from scratch. Whatever their existing solution, they want to build a new stack, a composable stack. One of those examples is Brioni, which is uh, a, another <laughs> luxury brand. And they created uh, a solution with, uh, with the help of, uh, of an agency. They created a solution built with uh, Commerce Layer, Contentful, Algolia, so, and the Gemstack website. So let's say a very, uh, very clean uh, architecture, Gemstack architecture. They had this possibility to start from scratch. In other cases, uh, so depending, uh, I Think of uh, of another example, uh, Chili's, uh, which is one of the fastest growing brands in uh, in UK. When they migrated their commerce engine to Commerce Layer, they were already into the say the composable journey because uh, they already had built a composable stack with a headless CMS, which was which is Dato CMS, and they used Shopify to manage the transactional engine. Actually, they were using five Shopify instances to manage five different regions. And so they decided to migrate from Shopify to Commerce Layer, starting like doing that region by region. So they, they did it incrementally, you know, and, and they replaced each Shopify instance with one Shopify market in Commerce Layer. So, and then they expanded to 30 and more countries that's interesting that you can do it incrementally like that and test it out region by region you can sort of see the differences see what works you know Mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to do that kind of a b testing and not have to move everything at once yeah you can see the actual results yeah you can see the actual results and you you don't you you can't stop your business while you are migrating and evolving your platform sometimes we say that with this approach you will never do a platforming again and i mean you you don't need to do the last replatforming of your life, you are done. You, you already mm-hmm. have done your the last replatforming because now you can progress incrementally. With our microfrontends approach, you you mentioned also that we provide APIs and we provide microfrontends on top of our APIs. These microfrontends are can be divided into six let's say groups. One is the pricing, you know, price microfrontend. Then the availability message of a, of a product is another microfrontend. And then the buy button, cart, checkout, and my account. These six microfrontends are those functionality that allows you to either transform a website into an e-commerce website or do the migration step by step. So another example of some of our clients, let's say a customer who is on Salesforce Commerce Cloud, they're looking to migrate and to walk away from Salesforce Commerce Cloud, but they want to do that step by step. With our microfrontends approach, you can take the existing website entirely from the client side. You can start replacing the price, the buy button, the availability message with Commerce Layer. And uh, when I say entirely from the client side, I really mean without touching the core, the code of, of that platform. You can do that with uh, Google Tag Manager, 
you know, you can do that really uh, on the client side. And uh, uh, speaking of testing, someone is pushing this testing to the point that they are A-B testing the current checkout, the current transactional engine with Commerce Layer, and they're measuring the results and they're making the choice based on real data. So you you don't make a big project and then you will evaluate in four or six months from now. You actually get the results right, right now. And uh, when Commerce Layer performs better than, uh, than your current solution, you're getting more orders right now and you are you are more confident in, in doing the switch, you know, and, uh, and, and moving the entire commerce engine to, to commerce layer. Yeah, you talked about the micro front ends a little bit. What exactly are they from, a, you know, talk about doing an API first. Are they actually API served? Are they pieces that somebody can copy and paste in? How does it work? They are, first, there are two different types of micro front ends. Some of them are less micro than others. So I give you two, uh, two examples. The price, uh, which is one of the micro frontends that we provide, and those micro frontends are web components, standard web components. We are using Stencil.js to, to build those web components. So they are framework agnostic, and you can uh, inject those web components into any page to provide a price for a product. With the same approach, we provide the availability message web component. And so you can inject that availability message element into, into the page and, uh, and provide an availability message. And the shop, the, the add to cart is another example. Another group of uh, micro frontends that are less micro are the cart, the checkout, and the my account. These applications are applications that we have built with uh, React. We also provide the library of React components, and these are open source applications that we provide in a hosted version. So if you want, you can just use our hosted checkout and uh, like you do with Shopify and you're done. You have some level of customization uh, that you can apply to the styling of, uh, of the checkout and you're done. But otherwise, you can decide to fork the checkout application on GitHub and uh, make more changes, or you can decide to take it as a reference and design a pixel-perfect checkout experience uh, and build your own using our very same APIs. So, And also, these uh, applications have web components. Let's say the CL-cart web component, which is uh, a component that injects a cart into a page, or maybe you can use the CL-cart link that is a link to a hosted checkout, sorry, a hosted cart page. So again, with these tools, with these uh, microfrontends, with these web components, it is very easy to transform any page into a shoppable page. One of the best demos that I like to do, now it's only on, we don't have a video, but you can just take uh, an HTML page, store that .html on your local machine, you can just put drop our library of JS library, and you can just tag that page with a very simple HTML elements, and you have a fully functional international e-commerce website built on a, on a single HTML page in five minutes. That's very powerful. Yeah, I was just out at the Next.js 13, you know, announcement at their conference or whatever, and it's really fascinating to me, you know, the relationship between the client on the front end and the server. 
and the way, you know, especially in React, components are increasingly functions. And a lot of what you're describing is the ability to say, like, you were talking about, you know, maybe we'll give you a buy button and this piece of your puzzle. And, you know, you'll try a few of our pieces out here. And essentially, they are already built by you. They have an API that's serving a ton of functionality into it. But the person who's doing it on that front end is almost composing it, like you said, as if it was HTML. Well, I want to add your buy button and see how that compares to this one or, you know, your recommendation out, you know, for which item should be shown next after this. Correct. Uh, the DOM become, becomes your API. So you work with mm. the DOM. The fact that there is an API on the service side that powers that web component is uh, becomes a technical implementation from a user perspective. And with a user, I mean the developer. Developers are our, our, our users. You re- really use the DOM as your API. And you, you just uh, compose your page with uh, HTML elements uh, and the uh, we talk about a lot about composable commerce and the composability of, of the stacks, but very often we, we forget one of the most important parts, which is the front end. If you build a monolithic front end and if you only have uh, a composable back end, you risk to neutralize many of the benefits of, uh, of composable commerce. So we really believe that commerce layer, that this composability should be brought to the, to the front end layer with micro front ends. This allows a lot you know, the flexibility that allows better scalability and better developer experience and easier developer experience. Because right. another thing that I hear a lot is that composable and headless is complex. Mm-hmm. It can be, but maybe with a, you know, with the right approach is not that complex, especially to start and to progress incrementally. You've been talking a lot about, you know, adding different functionality and the, the ability to do testing and to monitor data and then move to, you, you know, your services if the results prove themselves out. I know in commerce, you know, sort of speed and responsiveness is, is key. You know, you want somebody to be able to click a button, see that thing and make that purchase without, you know, having to wait or, you know, you've lost them. Where does your company and technology interact with speed at all? You know, I, I know for, for a lot of this, it has to be about pushing it to the edge and you know having a point of presence locally or whatever that may be but is that something you interact with or does the client have to go somewhere else when they're thinking about issues like that no it's uh it's definitely something that we care a lot and we are aware that speed is uh one of the most important drivers of going headless composable and, uh, and approaching this type of development because from a business perspective there is a uh, a direct correlation between the performance of your website and uh, the the conversion rate of your website. So if you if you keep everything else the same same experience, I mean same design, same catalog, same everything, but if you improve the speed, it's really demonstrated that it brings uh, an increase in conversion rate. We were reading a report by Deloitte, and they they reported that you get eight uh, percent of increase in conversion rate by every 100 milliseconds uh, reduction in, uh, in page loss speed. It's difficult to give, uh, you know, it's just a benchmark, it's just an idea, but there is uh, an actual correlation. And the performance is not just on the website. The performance on, of the checkout is very, very important because the abandoned orders are abandoned at checkout. So you start the checkout process and then you abandon the orders for many reasons. Again, I, I don't want to oversimplify the reason why people abandon their cart, but the performance, the site speed is definitely one of those, you know. And so we embrace the, the Jamstack approach. Mm. We believe that the co- coding should is going and should belong more and more to the edge, you know, to the client side, also right. from uh, for a performance reason. This is 
very important for any type of web development. But when you talk about e-commerce, uh, you know, there is a, a very direct impact on, on the sales of your website compared to a blog, for example. And I think, you know, anytime you get involved in, in e-commerce, you get into questions of, you know, security and reliability, not only like the PCI requirements around credit cards, but you want to make sure that, you know, anytime a transaction goes through, any other further requests won't sort of put the same request to go through. How much of that do you guys have to deal with? Well, uh, again, a lot. First, uh, mm-hmm. as a developer, you you care about these uh, aspects, but you don't want those aspects to be your problem. And so this is what we do. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we want developers to sleep well in the night, and so we want to manage all these parts for, for the developers. For mm-hmm. sure, there is a, a part, speaking of the checkout, for example, if you use our API, let's say that we uh, manage 80% of that part. But if you if you are building a custom checkout application, you are responsible of that ten to twenty percent of, uh, of of the experience and PCI compliance scope. Because to mm-hmm. be completely out of scope, you need to use someone else has to do that. You know, you need mm-hmm. to use our host checkout application, which is an option. But yeah, it's it's very important. And speaking of again the the gem stack and security. Especially when you build a static website, when you when you have uh, say a headless approach with a, a simple website that is exposed to the to the client, the surface attack it, it's much more reduced compared to the entire monolithic platform that is exposed to the you know to the client. So again, for, also from a security perspective, uh, it's really reduced, and for sure the vendors, the components that provide the API are responsible of the security of those APIs. We at Commerceway are responsible of the security of uh, our API, but also if you compose your stack with other tools, each tool and each company should be responsible of their own API and you should trust them. So it's very important to select uh, components and vendors that can uh, guarantee that level of security. So you know, we've been talking about what you what you all do now, what commerce looks like now. What are, what are you excited about for the future? Oh, one thing that I'm really excited about is um, that the developer experience as a developer, you know, I'm excited about the developer experience that is uh, becoming more and more important from a business perspective. I am a huge believer in the fact that a happy developer is a more productive developer and can create better solutions, better digital products for their business. And on the other side, we are seeing more and more that uh, the decision makers, I mean, the developers uh, are taking a role, a significant role in the decision making process. And the, the decision makers are trusting their developers more and more. This this makes me very uh, excited. And also from a, an organizational perspective, uh, now that you can... Uh, work from you know from anywhere you can work for uh, any company in the world you really want your developers to work with modern tools because uh, otherwise they will look for other opportunities and they will leave your company so it becomes really the developer experience is very important to retain developers and to acquire new talent so but again what makes me excited is that this is becoming something that is more and more relevant to the decision makers and to the business uh, users All right, everybody, it is that time of the show. We want to shout out somebody from the community 
who came on and helped to answer a question or asked a really interesting question, you know, contributed some knowledge. Today, we're shouting out Mitch, who was awarded a lifeboat badge for saving a question with a negative score. Now it's up to a positive score. Appreciate it, Mitch. Awarded two hours ago. How to get all weekends within the date range in C. I would like to get all the weekends as well. If you want the answer, it'll be in the show notes. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter, maybe. For, I don't know for how long. I'll, sh- I'll shut up my Mastodon <laughs> handle soon enough. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find it at stackoverflow.blog. And I am also currently on Twitter at <laughs> Arthur Donovan. Yeah, I'm Filippo Conforti. I'm the co-founder of Commerce Layer. You can find me on Twitter for now <laughs> and on LinkedIn. You can also uh, reach me uh, through uh, via email at filippo at commercelayer.io. You can sign up. Uh, our platform is free for developers. You can sign up for free by visiting commercelayer.io. You can create uh, an account. We encourage you to try our API to try our, our platform to sign up to our uh, Slack community and ask any questions and give us feedback. Yeah, I checked out the commercelayer.io slash developers and you've got great docs and data models and API references there. So it's neat. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon.